If it wasn't that gross for Mel, I might have just continued with the pee bottle. Please, Monroe. Please, Monroe. Please, Monroe. Welcome to a special episode of Calling Monroe. Today is Monday, September the 7th. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Monday, September the 7th. Every year on September 7th, the Duchenne community comes together for World Duchenne Day. This day seeks to raise global awareness for all those affected by Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Duchenne muscular dystrophy, according to Wikipedia, is a severe type of muscular dystrophy that primarily affects boys. Muscle weakness usually begins around age four and worsens quickly. It affects about one in uh, 5,000 males at birth and is one of the most common types of muscular dystrophy. Uh, This may seem random to some of you, but it is not random uh, because we have on the line an individual who has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Do you want to say hello to the folks? Hello. (laughs) Uh, Our very own Gvillion has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Uh, Something that we've, I guess, would you say we've hinted at it in the show in some capacity? I think so, regarding to feces at least. (laughs) Yeah, uh, with regard to feces, I guess. Uh, And we've had, I think, a couple of comments. I've definitely had questions asking uh, about you, whether there were something. So I think people are have clocked on that there's something. Okay. But so we figured that today, being mm-hmm. Duchenne Awareness Day, would be the perfect time to address this issue, right? Yes. And it just so happens that you and I know a doctor. Yes, exactly, Monroe. Yeah. Do you think we should get him online to discuss this? Yeah, let's talk to him. Let's talk. Oh, nice, perfect. Let's uh, call Monroe. What's up, folks? Hey, Monroe, do you know what day it is today? It's extra special day. What day? It's the day we celebrate our our funny little friend, Guthion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Today is uh, Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy Awareness Day. International, if you will. Yes. So, Guthion, why on the 7th of September? So, the Duchenne gene is divided into 79 segments. Mm-hmm. Called exons, so automatically that means the seventh of the ninth month is Duchenne Day. Oh, I appreciate that. For once, they're using the normal uh, system of dating rather than the American one. Mm, yeah, I mean, that. I mean the real one. Yeah, the real one, exactly. Actually, just to throw a hot take into this episode, the optimal date style to me is year, month, date. Because you're working your way down. Uh, for a lot of reasons, including the fact that it means that uh, the numbers uh, always, in like if you write it as a single number, then it increases strictly with uh, time. So if you do it the other way around, if you do date, month, year, then it like rocks back and forth in terms of like how big the numbers actually are. <laughs> Whereas with uh, date, with year, month, date, then it, it strictly rises forever, which is good. That's right. I always do that. Yeah, it's perfect. In my, in my day, like someone told me like a few years ago, always do year, month, day. Yeah, that's the best. And I didn't know why. I just, it makes, it made sense. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, uh, so Guyon, let's, uh, should we hit hard immediately? Yes. So here on Wikipedia, uh, it mm-hmm. says, after saying it's the most common type of muscular dystrophy, it says the average life expectancy is 26. Oh, shit. Uh, how old are you? 29. You're 29. Uh, I see it. It does say, however, with excellent care, some may live into their 30s and 40s. And I think it's safe to say that you get excellent care. I do. You do. Your dad is a doctor mm-hmm. and you have access to a good uh, medical system here in Iceland. Yes. So you have, you told me once that you get, you basically start all the the treatments sort of that you need, preferably before sort of you actually need to start them, right? Yes. As a 
prophylaxis. So, you know, a, a something that most people would maybe, you know, wait until they're hit quite severely by something to start, you would start well before that. It's normal in medicine. You start to treat when the symptoms come. Mm-hmm. But in certain, certain diseases, you should start earlier. Yeah. Just as Duchenne and some certain cardiac problems like cardiomyopathy, certain types of it, congenital ones. Mm-hmm. It would be good to start earlier. So what is your uh, situation now? Like what you're in a wheelchair? Yeah. So you're in a, uh, a like a motorized wheelchair that you're in yes. pretty much all the time? Most of the time. Most of the time, right? Any other sort of assistive devices? Not every day. Not, I mean, for what about for sleeping? Yeah, I need, I need respiratory assistance. So you have like a, a face mask, basically? Yes. And that's every night, right? All night, every night. All night, every night. Mm-hmm. Every nap, too. Oh. Mm, interesting. That's really annoying. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like a, the rest of me, I'm like, this is fine, but napping. What about when you, those times that you definitely haven't told me about where you fall asleep at work? <laughs> I mean, it's better to sleep when sitting. <laughs> is it? I mean, it's easier to breathe. Oh, fair enough. Uh, do you sleep in a regular bed? What is a regular bed? Just like a, like an Ikea bed. Could you sleep in an Ikea bed? Yes. Or do you sleep in a, the equivalent of an Ikea bed? I mean, I sleep in a more expensive bed, but I could sleep in an Ikea bed. Okay, but what, what makes your bed more expensive? Does it like raise the back raise up and stuff? All the hookers yeah. in it. <laughs> okay, Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's right, that's right. So no, do, no, it's But do you, do you sleep... Um, with the bed in a fully horizontal position, or do you have it raised? I sometimes have the legs raised. Legs raised, okay. The thing is, when you have your muscles are shortening, mm-hmm. you want to be like in this fetal position. Mm, yeah. How do you how do you stay in a fetal position without laying on the side, putting the legs up? Mm. Yeah, that like fetal position is like the 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 resting position for the body, basically. Because if you put a human in space where they're uh, weightless, their body, like you don't stay upright in the normal sense, you sort of default to a fetal position. More, or like more of a fetal position, like your legs are more tucked in and your back is more hunched. Interesting. Stuff. Yeah, it's it's comfortable. Yeah. And so do you have, do you have a caterer? Or do you, are you do you still manage to, like, have you, have you got enough automatic machines that you can do everything yourself? No, no, I need assistance. Need assistance. So how much assistance? Like... Four times a night. Okay, for sleeping. So what does that mean? Help. Okay, but th- like, what do they do? They like put me on the left side or the right side. Mm, put my okay. hands in position, mm. my feet outwards. It's a fetal position, no, not fetal position, but like a relaxing position is to put your your heels inwards, knees outwards. Do you understand the position? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really painful. Oh, so most of the time, I just need people to put my heels outwards and knees inwards. Okay. 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 This whole thing sounds like hell because I move so much to like try to find a comfortable position. Mm. A lot. It. Oh God. Sometimes it's like, fuck it. I need to sleep. Sleeping with a mask on and uh, like needing someone to put me in position sounds. Sounds bad. How, how long have you had to, have you had to do this for? Because obviously you're in a wheelchair uh, now. But was there a point where you weren't in a wheelchair? Yes, I, it's like five years. Five years. Okay. Oh, you were what? You weren't in a wheelchair five years ago or six years ago? No, no, no. That I could move in bed myself. Oh, okay. But when did you? When were you first in a wheelchair? At thirteen. Thirteen. Something like that. Okay, and so you could walk until you were 13. Yeah, I mean, I could, it's not like walk fully. I could stand in my legs. You know, I can. Were you ever able to walk as a child? Yes. That was until like 13, just before. Okay. uh, Confirmation. Okay. I remember at my confirmation, I could stand in my leg. I could put weight on my legs. Yeah, I feel like given uh, the theme of almost every episode so far, we'd be remiss not to mention pee and pooping. That word. Can you can you pee and poop normally, or do you need to have a catheter or something to help you pee? No, it's it, it has nothing to do with like 
autonomic or yeah nervous system. It's just the muscles. Okay. So, so you can pee and poo. Yeah. There are certain uh, digestive problems involved, but like most of the muscles are the voluntary muscles that are problem with. Mm-hmm. But the autonomic are less of a problem, but they do gen- degenerate. Okay. Yeah. So my, if I can remember back to uh, med school, my understanding of Duchenne's is that the it's the muscles themselves that have the issue, the skeletal muscles. But the so the the nerves to them still work, but the muscles themselves yeah. uh, atrophy over time. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Is that yeah? And then it affects boys more than girls because it's it's an X-linked disease, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Boys have two X chromosome have only one X chromosome, and whereas girls have two. So if they get one, they can use the uh, they can use the other one. Yeah. Um. So it affects boys more than girls. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but what about the what about the physical act of going to the toilet? Right, like that's that's still like you need assistance with some of that, right? Yeah. So what does that entail? So most people with Duchenne, they require like at my stage, at adult stage. They require like two assistants. Mm-hmm. Most of my age use like a lifter, personal lifter. Okay. It's like a device that lifts you using a sail. Okay. Like cover you in a sail and then they lift you up. Mm-hmm. Like a harness. Yes, yeah, it's called that harness. Yeah. Where they lift you up and they have to somehow get your pants off. Okay. It's a complicated thing. It takes like. 20, 30 minutes. Okay. So you have to decide, I'm going to poop at 4 o'clock every day. Mm. Oh, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah, it that's doesn't matter. difficult. Like, no one can help you. You get help at that time, yeah. that hour. What, is that how you do it? Uh, I get more often help because mm. there are certain th- people that can actually physically lift me because I'm so small. Mm-hmm. But not everyone can do that. So the, do they lift you onto the toilet? Yeah. Okay, interesting. So it's weird when I feel like I have to poop now. Uh-huh. I might have to wait 30 minutes. Oh, Lord. Mm, if that's... I have to pee, pee now, it might take 30 minutes to get the help. I would poop my pants so often if that were the case. Mm. That has happened only once. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How old were you? 16. Oh, fair enough. I mean, you've been going strong for 13 years now. The thing is, when your muscles... When you have 20% muscle mass, mm. you do not have a, an ass, a butt. <laughs> you do not have the muscles. So, in a way, the pressure is on the hole. So it's oh. like the hole is blocked? Yeah, it's like having a butt plug 24-7. <laughs> Jesus. I also heard that there's a, a quirky little thing with the law in Iceland where technically you weren't allowed to drink whilst operating your wheelchair because that would qualify as drink driving that's right <laughs> but they changed it recently right yeah only recently yeah so, so before it, if the... you had an alcohol whilst you were in your wheelchair you're technically breaking the law yes i would have lost my driving license <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is ridiculous i have actually once been so drunk in my chair that for some reason i still know where i'm going do you understand? Mm-hmm. I'm like driving and I do not go past the sideway. It's sort of like walking, right? Like, and you're yeah. not going at the sorts of speeds that are associated with a normal car, right? What like, is the no, top no, speed no. of your chair? Yeah, what's the top speed of your chair? It's 12 kilometers per hour. That's pretty fast. Yeah, it's That's pretty the fast. Maximum. But like, imagine if time. you were, imagine if you had a car and its top speed was 12. That's pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's he zooms around. Like in general, it's like five or something like that. Mm. Uh, do you want to say? So you said that you're quite small. Do you want to say why? So there are medication that like stunts the growth. Mm-hmm. That are considered to be the best. What's it called? Clinical guidelines tell you to take large amount of steroids. Yeah. So that, that's to decrease the inflammation of the muscles. So. That stunts growth. It's okay. not to do that. Okay. Why is it better to, to stunt growth? It has nothing to do with stunt, stunting growth. Oh, so that's, it's just you take the it's medicine the for other effect. stuff and then, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't really care about that. No. So how tall are you? Uh, small. I don't know. 
You don't know how tall you are? No, I'm like five feet or something like that. How much in cent- the Lord's units? <laughs> like 140, roughly. Mm, okay. Are you legally a, what is it, a dwarf? What's the what's the real the term that you're really, allowed to use? <laughs> as I remember, it is like a little bit less than. I'm a little bit above it. Okay, so you're not a small person. Yeah, no. It has to be, t- especially dwarf isn't five feet. No, he's, it's four foot ten. An adult height of less than 147. Oh, yeah, God, so God. you are a little, yeah, you're a bit above it. No, I'm actually below it then. Oh. <laughs> All right. Fun fact for you. <laughs> a new thing to put on your Tinder bio. Uh, actually, going back to going back to your peeing, I was going to say before we move on from that, you said it takes like 30 minutes, but you have, uh, you've peed in my living room and my bedroom as well. Yeah. So what you have like a, a quick fix for peeing, right? Yeah, I mean, because I'm a guy, I'm yeah. a man, mm-hmm. I have a... Oh, you have the optional attachment. I have a tube. Yeah. Are you, are, do you me. have an actual tube, or are you talking about your willy? He's talking about his penis. Willy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that is an actual tube. What yeah. do you mean? It's true. It's like an extension of your bladder. <laughs> yeah, true. That can be put into a bottle. Mm. Oh, the pee... So, I spent three months in a wheelchair, and the pee mm. bottle was a highlight of this. Because mm-hmm. I just, instead of getting out of bed at night to pee, mm-hmm. I would just grab the pee bottle and pee. And I think if it wasn't that gross for Mel, I might have just continued with the pee <laughs> bottle permanently. Pee bottle is a good thing. It's yeah. Really nice. I, I, yeah. I definitely, yeah, recommend the pee bottle. That, that could be the skill of the week for this week. Use a pee, pee bottle. bottle. Yeah, I've peed into a bottle. But like, it, like <laughs> regardless Coca-Cola of wheelchair bottle. use. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like most bottles don't, they're not big enough uh, to oh, fit. Oh, yeah, here he goes. Here he oh. goes. <laughs> oh, I need a Pringle tub, I do. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying mo- the tops of most, like, soda bottles are, the, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a squeeze, right? Mm. Yeah, but you don't need to get the whole thing <laughs> no, in. I know, you just need <laughs> to make sure your urethra is in. I know, I know, yeah. I know. I know, I've, I've done it before, okay? Jesus. Um <laughs> Anyway, yeah, fine. So, uh, how? What medicines do you take daily? Do you take everything you take daily, or do you take stuff more irregularly than that? I take most things daily. Okay, like what, or how many things? Like steroids and some heart drugs, cardiac drugs. But a few months, I take like a uh, to Im- increase the density of the bones. Oh yeah, yeah. You take that every few Bisphos- months. Bisphosphonates. Yeah, every six months I take that. But bisphosphonates you're only supposed to take for, uh, you take it every week for like a couple, for a year or two or something, and then you two stop. Years, I, I, do, I do not take bisphosphonates. No. Uh, it's like you can take that for a few years, mm-hmm. and then actually the bones get too much of it. Mm-hmm. What I'm taking is called prolia. Uh, you're not a whinger, Gudjan. I, I, I don't, maybe it's just because we don't talk that much, but you never like bitch about being in a wheelchair or complain about, I don't know, I feel like... I'd complain a lot. <laughs> so, so the thing is, being in a wheelchair, it's not the main problem of having to send. Mm. That's actually some that some people and parents and many people that are young with to send, they think that's the hardest thing. So what is the hardest actually, thing? Actually, to not, to not be able to walk isn't that hard. It's the least of worries. The yeah. hardest thing is that you cannot use your hands. Mm-hmm. It's a decreased function. I can barely lift my hands. Because when I okay. first met you um, yeah. a few years ago, mm-hmm. how, what was it, four or five years ago, five years ago, you were able to pick up a glass uh, of water yeah. with one hand, I think, and drink it. Yeah, that might be true. I think I think you could. And then now you can't do that. I can't do that. Now you can you can take it with both hands and not really lift it, right? Yeah. I can like maneuver it to, towards my face. Yeah. So in a way, if I was in a wheelchair but could do all of that stuff, I wouldn't care. Then I mm. wouldn't care about the wheelchair. Okay. But your um, your face is unaffected, right? Yes. For some reason, Duchenne does not affect the face. Really? It does affect it like visually. You can see, oddly enough, you can see who has Duchenne basically from their face. How's that? It's It's... You know, the muscles on each side of your face, they degrade it. So it looks like the distance between your eyes is 
more than usual. Because your face becomes narrower? Yeah. All right. On the sides. It becomes narrower on the sides. Okay. It means like the distance between your eyes looks bigger. Okay. So most of the face looks like this alien face, a less extreme version of that. Mm. It looks like that, but... Yeah, it gives that perception, but it's not Yeah, perception, but it's not. Yeah, I've always found that interesting that it doesn't... That it doesn't affect your facial muscles or your your ability to speak and all that stuff. Or like facial expressions and things. It does not affect the vocal cords, but it uh, affects the breathing. Yeah. So most guys that are far further than me, they talk like this. And then they talk like everything they can in the outwards. And it becomes like, do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But most, most guys your age mm-hmm. are in a like a respirator in the daytime, right? Yes. You're sort of quite well off in that capacity. Yes. I mean, it was like that. It's actually like that, that guys that are like younger than me, that had all the medication at the right time, Mm -hmm. they are healthier. So it's more just uh, the science sort of catching up. Yeah. I don't know how common Duchenne's is, but Iceland's a... Pretty small country. I mean, are there one in five thousand? Is it's like ten in Iceland. It's the incidence of one in five thousand. Yeah, not the prevalence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good thing. Go over the definition of the difference between incidence and prevalence because that so took me a pre- while. Prevalence is the proportion of the nation at the moment. What it yeah. is, incidence is for every new diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's every year, basically. It's over a certain period. Yeah. So, in a population of a hundred thousand, you said the you said the the incidence of is one in three thousand five hundred to five thousand births. Okay. No boys, so it's like one in seven thousand to ten thousand births. Yeah, okay. exactly. Which means like every second year there should be one born in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Every two three years there should be one, but the prevalence is much lower because most of them do not live live past thirty. Mm. Do you have a lot of hope for the future in terms of uh, medical advances? Do you think that uh, the next, say, 10 years are going to bring a lot of a lot of changes? The thing is, there is this uh, gene therapy that is in clinical trials. Mm-hmm. And that has the, a dog that had this disease, mm-hmm. which would have died within three, four years. It lived for the whole 12 years of this dog's life. So it would have full life. How was it in terms of symptoms? I mean, it was really badly affected. Yeah. Twelve years later, but it died from AIDS. Mm-hmm. It was like a normal dog's AIDS. Mm-hmm. So they gave this to a children like a few years ago. It was like four boys that got it, and they got like normal amount of dystrophin, which is the gene or protein that is missing. Mm. It was normal amount for at least few years. I haven't seen the newest results. You would expect t- 10 years because that dog got it like at one years old. Yeah. And he seemed healthy, healthy-ish 10 years later. But presumably there, so for something like that, it would be, you'd have to give it in like the first year of life or something, would you? With a treatment like that? I do not know. I think I would give it like, like seven. Okay. At seven years old, because you're pretty normal until that age. Okay. So that makes sense then. Because that would give you some extra years of walking and stuff like that. So what the, what actually this gene therapy does, there is this a milder version called Becker muscular dystrophy, which allows you to walk until you're 30, maybe 20, 30 years old. Okay. And then the main symptoms is like heart disease, this cardiomyopathy that follows the disease. That, that's really mild. So the thing is, there is actually a guy with Duchenne, Louis Becker, that could walk until he was like 60. Okay. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to make Duchenne into this milder version. That's what they do with the gene therapy. Mm-hmm. They do not expect to cure it because the gene is, gene is extremely long, extremely vague. It's the second largest gene in the genome. Yeah, that's the problem. Right? You, can't, uh, like you can't take that protein and just put it into the cells because it's too big. Yeah. It's gigantic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can go through the description of it. It's like, they say like if you are on a trampoline and the 
springs. They like put the trampoline in the same position. Yeah. Like if you jump once, it puts it in the same position. Dystrophin, mm-hmm. the protein that is missing in this gen, is like the springs. Okay. They're like a weaker version of the springs, which means you would jump and then it would take like an hour to go to the same position. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not the same at time. So if you would jump repeatedly on that, that would damage it. Yeah. So it would like allow certain things to like flow into the muscle, cause damage and shit like that. Yeah. You require those springs. But what about, uh, what about you? What do you, do you think that uh, the next 10 years will bring any significant medical advances for you? I was more positive. I'm more pessimistic now. When is now and when is was? Five years ago. Okay. Mm. Why? Because things happen slowly. Things are slow in the medicine mm-hmm. field, medical field. I feel like I'm exactly the wrong age. <laughs> if I would be 10 years younger, I think I would be in a better position. Sure, but then... But if, you're like 10 also, years older, if you were 10 years older. Yeah. yeah. If I was 10 years older, I would be in more shit. You probably... You, I mean, if you're 10 years older, do you think you'd be dead? I wouldn't expect anything then. I do not think I would be dead, but I would think I was not in a good position. Mm-hmm. I think I might be exactly at the moment where I'm never going to be cured but I might be helped with the symptoms. Do you ever just uh, hang out outside of disabled toilets so that when people come out of them or just using them because they didn't want to queue, you can just look at them judgmentally? It's funny. (laughs) It's funny to look at them. And then I realized people actually have stoma. And those people actually need, need it. So I cannot be bad because maybe they actually need it. Stoma is not something you can see. Yeah. You do not see it on people. And I, that I am there, they're like, oh, fuck, he's in wheelchair. And I actually need it. What, should I say something? Should I not say something? Should I just walk out? And then they probably just walk out. <laughs> this is actually the skill of the week. If you are able-bodied, go to uh, use a disabled bathroom. And if anyone gives you shit, say you have stoma. <laughs> stoma. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then people are like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But then you're lying. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so what um, What does your future look like? It depends on how many years you're talking about. Uh, just talk us through it as you see it the next however many years. The rest. Or maybe rest. like five, five year increments or something. Yeah. Give us a, uh, a best case realistic scenario and a worst case realistic scenario and then maybe like a middle ground. So the best way it would be almost as similar as it has been the past five years. Which means? Slightly declining respiratory function. Mm-hmm. Heart getting worse. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I feel extreme. I do not feel it. But that it, it's like slowly makes it harder to breathe every day. I feel like the past five years, it has become slightly harder to breathe like every day. So worst case scenario, I would be like, I can't breathe on my own. Best case scenario, I can breathe on my own, but it will be harder. Middle ground is like, I can breathe most of the time, okay. But I might need like a then whole night and like maybe a third of the rest of the yeah. day. It's like the middle ground. Okay. Uh, And then what, the next 10 years? I do not want to think about it. Okay. It's scary. Yeah, uh, I bet it's scary. Yeah. It's scary to know that you're not going to be able to move. And there's also, I feel like most of us all appreciate that we're not going to live forever, but ultimately we still have a sense that our life is infinite, even though rationally we realize that, that it's not. Emotionally, we kind of have this sense that our life is infinite. Whereas for you, the your sort of mortality is, is something that's very present and something that you are very aware of in a way that the rest of us aren't. In a way, like every... 
cold can kill me. Mm. It's it's weird. Like I do not feel like I'm dying, but I do not think I have a future. Mm. I do not feel like I'm going to get old, but I have a feeling that I'm going to live forever. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, not to, I don't know, not to sound something, but that might be more common than you think, right? For people to not, you know, to feel like they're going to live forever, but not uh, the the sort of uh, concept of getting older doesn't necessarily resonate with them but i guess it's different in your case because you like you can you can sort of think about that thing as like a real very legitimate emotion in your case it feels like a real thing yeah but you do have aspirations and goals and it's not like you you don't um sit around and do nothing because you don't have a future i mean you are you're almost done with your phd mm-hmm. you i mean you work as a researcher you like you you live a, a pretty active uh, and some might say fulfilling life, right? Despite the fact that you don't see a future. Yeah, but I still wish I was not like this. Of course. See, yeah. there are two books that I've read. One describes it pretty good, but the other one is something that people wish describe the situation really well. Mm-hmm. There's a, this one book that many people are told to read in the English literature called uh, Algernon. Flowers for Algernon. Flowers for, Flowers for Algernon. Yeah. It's supposed to take on this subject where you know your destiny. Yeah. You know you're going to die soon. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, that character, he does the thing you expect you would do if you knew you were dying. Mm-hmm. He becomes inspired. He does, he does to learn something about himself. The same thing as people like, oh, I'm going to go for uh, parachute diving, something like that. I'm going to die. Who cares? I'm going to die. But in fact, if you know you're going to die, you wouldn't do that. Wouldn't you? No, because you would just want to do what's normal. I would not go traveling if I could spend time with my family, the people I love. Yeah, but maybe that's says more about you than about people. No, but I think the chronic condition there is like, maybe this is true if you have, if you know how much time you have left. Like, no, I mean, if you just like, like ALS, like, oh, you're going to have two years. I don't know, maybe that, or cancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But this is clearly not true if you know it for a longer time. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly, because we all, like on a, even more stretched out scale we all know it and those people do it the least you could say so yeah then I've read Never Let Me Go by Ishiguro Mm -hmm. the Nobel Prize winner Mm -hmm. and I feel like he really catches it he knows we clearly talk to someone that knows they're dying because those people they just live their life he describes the thing like you try to do whatever you can to survive longer so you like fight and fight and fight and you realize like it's never going to happen. The book is actually about like how to be clone and like the clones like have to give their organs at certain age. They cannot get past it. They constantly try to like find some reason how to survive. They try to fall in love and for some reason they there's a myth that if you fall in love you can survive longer. And then they realize it doesn't happen. So what's most important to you over the next sort of five or ten years then, when you're looking forward. Now I'm going to get crazy reference here. Mm-hmm. Her name is Ayn Rand. Okay, the libertarian. The libertarian, yeah. Okay. Who? Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. So, Ayn Rand. she says, the main purpose of life is happiness. There is no other purpose. But she puts it in a more narcissistic way. She thinks like I'm supposed to be happy by manipulating others. Where I see it, I only see that thing, like, the purpose of life is being happy. So it's trying to just enjoy the moment, which is kind of like a little bit like the thing in that book. In the end, they, they just die. There is death, the inevitable death there. But it's a bitter, bittersweet thing. Ayn Rand is a very funny reference to make there. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of Ayn Rand. Jesus. <laughs> Libertarian 
fuck, but <laughs> she's, she's not the best thing. But I read that thing where she said the purpose of life is finding happiness. It doesn't sound crazy. No, it doesn't sound crazy. It's a, it, I mean, it is the backbone of a lot of philosophies. I would assume. Then I say, like, she makes the ro- wrong conclusions. She expects you cannot be happy by helping others. It's all a selfish thing. But I think it's more like an. I try to be nice to others because it makes me feel good. But that's selfish in itself. If it makes you feel good, right? <laughs> no such thing as a selfless act. That's yeah. what Ayn Rand said. None of this is. I'm selfish. That's what she said. Yeah, I kind of agree with her, to be honest. I mean, read her, read everything she said, and then you, you might not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's right. Dude. Yeah, she's not. She's not a nice person. Yeah, she's not necessarily. And that's the thing to... that. That's the thing that. It's the basic of her theory, but then he makes the craziest conclusions about that. Yeah. I guess this would probably shed a little bit of light for some of our listeners on you as a person, because your, your personal philosophies, even though you're saying your goals are to be, to be happy, mm-hmm. th- the way that you've presented your personal philosophies on the podcast are, a lot of the time are uh, this sort of nihilist, nothing matters Hmm. But that still, it actually makes me a little bit happy that nothing matters. Why? Because it means none of your lives matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was yeah. the question that I that I <laughs> posed to you once as like a hypothetical, right? Yeah. Where uh, I said, would it be better or worse or the same if you knew for a fact that everything that happened to everyone? was something that they deserved. Yeah, I, I remember. Ooh, that doesn't sound like a good world to but live in. But no, <laughs> but I actually do not think it regarding the deserves. It's just like everything is crap. Yeah, but I mean, it, it does sort of touch on that, right? You would, you would prefer nothing matters to uh, ascribing some significance to your disease, some cosmic significance to why you live like this or what. Can you repeat that? So you would you would prefer your disease to be a random thing that is in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter and is of no importance. You prefer that reality to a reality where it like means something and is to be analyzed and like represents something. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's better that it's random. Yeah. It it has no meaning to me. It would have been best that I did not have it. And then I actually have heard I heard like a mother of a guy with my disease. She said like, I wish, I wish I would be dead instead of having this disease. And then actually that makes me think, I, I understand. I wish I did not exist instead, but I would not want to die instead. Hmm. And also no one is like a, I heard some preacher, like, oh, you're a hero to do that. That doesn't make any sense because everyone would try to survive. Yeah. But I also think trying to think of it in terms of, it not having any meaning to it, at least from uh, uh, trying to put myself in your shoes, would stop me asking the question of of why. And I feel like the, uh, th- that would be such a useless, but also quite a haunting question if you started to ask that throughout your life, like why me or why or why whatever, mm-hmm. because you would never get any answer. I'm I'm and more it like could just drive you crazy. I'm more like actually this is hard sometimes, but sometimes I'm like. Why me? Why not me? It's it. It's someone. I'm one of those. Someone is me. I'm me. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. What's interesting uh, to me about you and your outlook on this, though, it's it is interesting. The fact that I remember we were talking about we were at your house once, and we were talking about some shit. Something that I, I was complaining about something or like venting about something, mm. um, some issues and was like pissed off or upset or something about, about whatever. And at the same time you were, uh, I wouldn't say venting, but like you were discussing your own, like some issues in your life that touched on, on your disease and things like this. Uh, and I caught myself and I was like, this stuff that I'm talking about is, is nothing in comparison to the thing that you're talking about and thought that I had found some sort of at least a little bit of zoom out clarity of like, oh, this fucking shit of mine 
isn't something I should be worried about. And your point of view was something that stuck stuck with me when you you didn't think that your problem was necessarily any bigger than mine. Mm. And that like that I think is the, the that's the interesting point of view to dissect with you. The fact that you still like that you can go through such a big thing realistically mm. and like have to mm. deal with this sort of thing without the without resor- resorting to that sort of self I wouldn't call it self pity necessarily but like bitterness just, yeah mm. the bitterness and the resignation to that to think to still be able to look at other people's problems as sort of subjectively equally valid mm. that's interesting to me I don't know if this opens up a discussion in any way I just wanted to say it <laughs> Yeah, I I get what you say. I don't know. I I do not think I did it on purpose, but <laughs> but the thing is, I th- see things like it's a reference point. Like we have a different reference. Mm-hmm. If you're used to little things, of course, smaller things are going to be hard. And I cannot say they're not equally hard. I heard like some guys say like. Who might say that it's not as hard, this thing, for example, or getting the wrong car color color on your car at your sweet sixteen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can cause the same amount of pain yeah. mentally, regarding to like chemistry and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it hurts the same amount. I mean, yeah, maybe it does. I guess the the aim is to. To reach a point where it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But it, it, I mean, I mean, emotions are just a thing that you feel. I cannot say that your emotions are less valid than mine. Another, another interesting thing about perceptions that you've mentioned is that you live a very interesting life in terms of people's initial reactions, people's first impressions of you. So mm-hmm. you said because because you're in a wheelchair, and because, mm-hmm. like you said, Duchenne, uh, you can tell by the face. That mm-hmm. there's an issue, and a lot of the time when someone is both quite clearly physically handicapped and has some like slightly different facial morphology, people mm-hmm. assume that there's like a mental retardation involved. Yes. So you you've said to me that you live this sort of life where first impressions of people that people's first impressions of you are that you are sort of mentally retarded mm-hmm. or mentally handicapped in some way, and then when they find out that you're not because you're in a wheelchair and because you work in science and you are handicapped, they then assume that you're some Stephen Hawking super genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> they think I know everything. because <laughs> That's such a funny line to straddle. <laughs> Which and also it kind of puts our friendship in a funny light because I've never seen you in person before. I've only ever heard your voice. Yes, and I think seen one picture on your Facebook of you, so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of coming at you from the opposite spectrum of just knowing your voice and not knowing anything about your physical appearance. Yeah. So, did you think he was exactly. an idiot or a hyper genius? I mean, I'm still stunned at how much of a bloody idiot it is when it comes to computers. <laughs> yeah, Jesus but, Christ. But that's just that's just an idiot for his age. Like yeah. anyone born in his era should understand how computers work to a basic yeah. extent. Yeah, not this guy. Is there is there anything else that you do you feel we've neglected? Is there anything else you feel like you want to say on on Duchenne Awareness Day for the listeners or anything you think we've not touched on? I don't know, I can mention one thing. It's not a totally different thing than the other. Yeah. It's this thing that I actually read this from, uh, this is influenced from a speech made in a movie. What's her name? Something more. An actress, famous actress. Julianne Moore. Yeah, Julianne Moore. She was like, she played like this. Okay, so it's just Julianne Moore. It's like a speech she had in a movie where she plays this patient with Alzheimer. And she has this piece where she's... It's a different thing where you like... Your whole life, your whole thing, you only lose when you deal with this disease. You never win. There's no success. You never get better. 
It's not like where you have a cancer or go through an accident where you can go through therapy and rehabilitation where you get better. And there are like, when you can win certain things. But in this thing, you never win. You only lose. So it's a scary thing. It's like there is this thing where you like, I decreases my function. I can't do this with my hand. I can't lift my leg. I can't write. It just like slowly, gradually, you lose the function. It never gets better. The idea that you have like, oh, I can just go to the gym or exercise and I will get better at that. It's not a thing of my mentality. In my reality, I can't get better at anything, but just doing more of it. Except I, I guess academic things you can. Academic things, but that's a slower feedback. The feedback is much, much longer. And actually there is no feedback because the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. Yeah, but I mean, you do get better. There is a certain feedback and I get better at it and I can know more. But that seems to be over a longer period. It doesn't feel the same. I remember playing the piano and I remember getting the feedback. And I remember like, oh, I can do something. Academic do not give you that same thing. Okay. It doesn't give. It, it gives a thing over a longer period. But in the time you realize you know less. It gives you a meaning of life. Do you understand meaning? But it doesn't give you like feedback the same amount. Mm-hmm. And this is a reality that people don't know about this. In a way, I'm pretty young to deal with this. It's, it's a weird thing. And my only win is to not lose as much. The less I lose, the more I win. Which is usually not what people do. Um. As an outro, what, um, so I think a lot of people, when they're around someone like you, mm. uh, they don't necessarily know how to behave, right? They don't, they don't know what you're going to find comfortable or uncomfortable. Mm. What is like a common uh, mistake or not mistake, but a common thing that people maybe do to try to make you more comfortable that they really shouldn't do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, you do not care what you say. I mean, saying that, oh, we went to walk, and then people are like, oh, he cannot walk, oh, shit, oh, shit. That, that's a stupid thing. <laughs> Just say that. <laughs> Just say what you want to say. The only thing to not say, oh, he cannot walk, he's an idiot. <laughs> Don't say that. That, that. No one does that. But just as long as you're not saying that, as you're not laughing at me for not doing something, it doesn't matter. Okay. So just just don't, yeah, just treat you like a normal person. Yeah. It, I recognized it that I join a group and then everyone goes silent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, please go on. And then people, oh, eh. they don't know. But there's actually one thing. Some people in my situation get easily, more easily offended. But at least I like, I think it's better to assume you do not. It's better to be scolded than not say the stuff. I at least like, I like it when I can say to people, no, please, please don't say that. Mm-hmm. Instead of telling people what they can say. I feel this has been very insightful. I feel like you have really articulated yourself really well and made some very interesting points. Yeah. So what it, it is, the International Duchenne Day. Today, Monday. Today, Monday, 7th of September. Is there a charity we can shout out? It is uh, some charity day you're going to see on every Duchenne uh, charities. You're going to see they're going to have some extra day, special things going on that day. Yeah. Do you have any any charities that you particularly like? I mean, they're most of them are good. 
Uh, there was a good one <laughs> pre-Brexit. Was Action Jusen, but there are there are more. There is like this telethon stuff in mm-hmm. in the France in France every year. There are some parent project in the US. Just any of these organizations usually do good. So homework for people is to do some research on this stuff. And the thing is, most of new drugs that are targeted on Duchenne, they are financed mm-hmm. through through charity. So it has helped a lot yeah. to give even small amounts. Truth. Anything counts. And if you get caught using a disabled toilet, just pretend you have a stoma. Yeah, absolutely. That's the big tip that Gudeon's yeah, that's a good <laughs> given us today. Exactly. If you see me mad outside the bathroom after you walk out, just <laughs> say I have stoma and I will melt. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Were those our parting words or do we have other parting words? Don't I need some? I, guess, I mean, maybe. Is a hippopotamus a hippopotamus? Or just a really cool apartamus? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Monroe, <laughs> do you have any parting words? How do I follow that up? Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, this is cheesy. <laughs> Every song ends, that's no reason not to enjoy the music. Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> I actually I actually got my quote now. Oh, you understood it. Very no, good. It. Well done. I understood it. Uh, I'm just going to say... Keep on. Is there a, a disabled version of a truck? Probably not. Keep on. <laughs> wheeling. Keep on wheeling, boys and girls. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you're feeling low In need of a bro There's one thing that'll make your heart start to glow Calling Monroe Calling Monroe Calling Monroe Calling Monroe, I'm calling Monroe